Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey, good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to the Ball Quest podcast. I am Eric Kane, alongside Rob Lewis, Austin Price, and Brent Hubbs. A big thank you, as always, to our friends, Exterior Home Solutions, for a free estimate. Go ahead and give them a call today at 865-524-5888 or visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. They've been local. They've been trusted since 1999. Got a lot on the docket here today. And again, as, as we know, and as Friday taught us, this thing can change a you know, a mile a minute uh, in terms of roster movement. But we enter this phase of the offseason. There's players leaving the current roster, going to the transfer portal. Tennessee continues to evaluate players in the transfer portal. we got COVID seniors making announcements, and those will continue to trickle in as the week goes on. But Austin Price, at this time, at the time of this recording, and again, things can change, it looks like Tennessee obviously prioritizing heavily the tight end position of the transfer portal and then sprinkling in a wide receiver here, a safety here, and they're looking at some best available. Yeah, I mean, like right now, the tight end spot is is kind of where it's at. Um, you know that you know you're right. They're looking at the Brazel kid at uh, at, at two line. Expect him to get in here some uh, time this week for a visit. Tennessee wants an outside receiver. We told you that here at Volquest for a few for a few weeks now. Like I mean, like they need somebody at six two, six three, six four, um, and he's that. He's six foot three. You know, a little less than two hundred pounds and long playmaker for the uh the green wave uh, this past year and you know uh you know the tight end spot you know you, you obviously had the states kid come in this weekend um really impressed by tennessee see the opportunity sees the closeness to his parents who live in atlanta um you know and all that but he's taking visits so when you decide to take visits you open yourself up to you know someone else coming in and swooping in kind of taking your spot could that be jordan dingle brent Hubs? because Tennessee went and saw him on Monday. And, um, you know, this is a situation where, you know, Jordan Dingle is uh, someone Tennessee is uh, probably going to be heavily involved with, along with Oklahoma and Colorado. And, um, you know, when you look at it, it's a lot of the same teams fighting over two or three guys. Yeah, and I think tomorrow uh, our friend Mike Strange's favorite line, Rob Lewis, bird in a hand. Um, you better take a bird in a hand at the tight end position. Uh, first one to jump in is, is the first one to jump in. I think that's how you have to view it. Uh, you may have them prioritized on who you like, but unless you have a great divide separation between one and two, if it's A and one B, first one to jump in jumps in because you have to answer that question in the transfer portal at that position. Yeah, I, I would think that you go into it, however, not so much as having a, a strict pecking order, but as having tiers of guys. So here's the you know, two – two or three guys in, in tier A, here's two or three guys in tier B. And the minute, you know, somebody in tier A says that they're ready to go, you're right, you know, needs being like the, what they are, you have to grab them. You know, every year it won't be like that, but right now, you know, it's a – I mean, everybody can see just, you know, how, how what a priority it is to, to add bodies there, to add, you know, cap, you know, capable bodies. And so, yeah, 
it's I, I, I would say the first one of those guys that you have deemed is good enough to have an offer you, you take. Here's the thing about Dingle. The guy started multiple years, played a lot of football in the SEC. He knows the league. You know, when they've actually thrown the ball to him, he's been productive hubs. You know, they just don't throw the football a whole lot up there because of the offense they run. And I think that's the reason why he's looking, why he's decided to go in the portal and, and find a new home. But he started a lot of football in this league against this competition. And I think that is a feather in his cap. Not to say that, that Holden stays hasn't, you know, played, you know, you know, some solid football for Notre Dame because he has. But I think when you have a, a ton of starts under your belt, I think that is an extra feather in your cap. Um, and, and Rob's right, you know, I think it will down to kind of tiers, and I would put those two at the top of tier one. Well, tell us about Bauer Sharp then. Um, kind of an interesting prospect, FCS level, um, south southeastern Louisiana, and I mean, he was a quarterback turned tight end. Um, if, if the first two guys in Dingle and Stays are 1A, 1B, you know, how far down the line is Sharp? Well, I think that he would be kind of that, you know, right below them. Um, he's coming in this weekend. Um, you know, kid's been productive. Uh, you know, they, they've used him in some wildcat. They've used him, obviously, as a pass catcher at Southeast Louisiana. And, you know, honestly, if Tennessee could get Dingle and Sharp or Stays and Sharp to go along with Ethan Davis, I think they'd love to do that. Like, I think you, you'd love to add two if you can. I just know that, you know, that's going to be hard because all these players want to play. You know, and I think that's a that's kind of kind of the – the tough spot of Tennessee's in. It's why you, in a perfect world, you need a high school kid or two to go with the transfer to go with Ethan Davis, and all of a sudden your room's at four, plus Emmanuel Koye, who is continuing to try to grow his game, um, and you know, and, and and understand you know what football is all about. So you know, in a perfect world, you you need you know a couple out of the high school ranks. Right now, they have zero. Tennessee continuing to swing at guys like Michael Smith, the Rodriguez kid who's committed to Michigan. And then obviously uh, the young man out of California, Harrison, um, you know, and so like I just, again, can they land a high school kid to go with a transfer? I think, you know, that they're just trying to get bodies in that room at this point. Cause right now, again, I'm making the joke. It's Ethan Davis and uh, Ethan Davis. And I only say that because Emmanuel Okoye is just nowhere ready to find a football. Team. Yeah. So, and like, and the, the, the thing you got too, is you've got, I mean, you don't have a high school kid slated to visit. Okay. Uh, the Smith kids talked about coming in for a bunch of times. He's not. He's not come in. We'll we'll see if if any of those high school kids come in this last weekend. It does look like that's going to be the case right now, which means you're probably out of the high school chase. You know, at this point, it doesn't feel like somebody's going to hang around till February. Uh, I don't know that you're just going to go reaching on a high school kid uh, from from a guy. You know, and, and get a guy like you got in Akoya who's so far away that you know you're talking you know, a couple of years before they're even in a position to even compete for an opportunity. Um, the, the one interesting thing, AP, about the, the, the tight end transfer portal timeline is it sounds like State's going to do something fairly quick, even though he's taking a couple more visits. He wants to get done fairly quick. I think you're going to have a good idea where you are with Dingle after you visited with him on Monday, and then you've got the, the, the kid from southeast Louisiana coming in. So from a timing standpoint, it doesn't appear to be that it's set up horrible for Tennessee. Like like somebody's – one of your top-tier guys is necessarily going to hold out till past Christmas or anything like that and, and put you in a really tough spot in terms of decision-making there. It feels like it may fall in kind of line the, the way that you would like in terms of how your tiers appear to be set right now. Correct. That's, that's right. You know, you, you'd love – you know, 
you'd love to kind of see this thing kind of happen sooner rather than later. I mean, Dingle, you know, was talking about Colorado trip, Oklahoma trip, and then Tennessee on the weekend. We'll see if any of that happens um, or is he ready to get things done sooner. Um, and then, you know, obviously stays is at Washington right now. He wraps up his visit later today and then we'll uh, be at Oklahoma this weekend. So, again, same group of teams fighting over the same kind of, you know, group of tight ends. The kid from southeast Louisiana is going to go out to Utah, who is hosting Carson Ryan from UCLA. So, again, Utah is kind of dangling around the same group of tight ends. Tennessee tried to get in play with Carson Ryan, but it looks like he'll stay on the West Coast. We spoke on this podcast last week um, about how it might not be the smartest thing to try to bring in two transfer portal tight ends because they both want to play. What type of message does that send to Ethan Davis? With the flip of Jonathan Eccles to USF, Brent, I mean, that, like, I, I feel like no matter what, you still want to try to get, as y'all were sp- talking on just there, a high school body, but you just got to get two bodies, right? I mean, this changes some things. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, you're going to take two if you can get two. The question is, from, from a standpoint of a transfer, are there two guys who would who would want to come? I don't. I have a hard time seeing Stace and Dingle at the same school because they want to get on the field and they want to play. And I know people play multiple tight ends, but but it doesn't feel like that would be the case. Now, could you get Dingle or Stace and, and the kid from Southeast Louisiana? I mean, maybe you know that's something that you know you would potentially see there. You would prefer in, in the dream world, as Austin mentioned, to have a high school kid. I just don't. I don't see a high school kid that's realistic right now. I mean, Cole Harrison, they visited out in California, but he's not made a trip, and neither is Michael Smith. No, 100%. The, you know, they they all talk about it, but until they do, as Hub said, it's hard to view as realistic. Now, he's not a high school kid, but similar in age is, you know, Sean Davion Bradley, in my opinion, is going to get a look at tight end. So that could end up being your body. Um, that moves over to, to give you an extra body at tight end. And again, he played it in high school, played a lot, honestly played more high school offense than he did high school defense. So probably feels a little more comfortable on that side of the ball. Um, you know, minus the fact that learning how to block, you know, and, you know, sell the edge and the SEC is a little different than out there in high school ball. And, Just a uh, smidge. <laughs> his side of near Kansas City. <laughs> All right, let's talk about a guy that was on campus here, AP, over the weekend uh, from the high school ranks. Jaron Sensiball came in for an official visit, had a lot of good things to say when leaving Tennessee. Of course, Missouri's in that one as well. Former Vanderbilt uh, commitments. He's a take for Tennessee. How realistic is Jaron Sensiball? Oh, he's very realistic. You know, he's got the one visit left in Missouri this weekend. We'll see how it goes. I mean, Missouri's the team that was in on him early. Um, you know, is that going to be the message? Hey, we were in on you. Tennessee, Tennessee didn't offer you till late in the game, blah, 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 blah. And does that weigh on it? You know, is that something that, you know, it resonates and all of a sudden he kind of, you know, wants to go that direction. Right now, I would tell you Tennessee's the team to beat for Jaron Sensenball. But again, he's going to take this visit. Much like Holden stays, when you take visits, things can happen, things can change. For you, against you, like, I mean, that's just kind of where you're at. And so, um, you know, since the ball will take this trip, but right now, as we said here on the 12th, Tuesday, the 12th of December, it definitely feels like they are the team to beat. You look at the current roster, Rob, and you've got, um, you know, a couple of guys who have left via the transfer portal on Tennessee's roster, a lot in the defensive backfield. We talked about Jack Luttrell, uh, you have Brandon Turnage, you've got uh, Warren Burrell who committed to Georgia Tech, you had Deshaun Rucker that went in. 
on uh, on Monday and, and and a couple more that I'm not mentioning. Looks like Tennessee is at least in terms of seeing players leave the roster that quarterback position. It's getting a little lighter now. Thus, I mean, Ricky Gibson, Christian Conyer, Jordan Matthews, some of these young guys that a lot of times we thought needed to get a little bit more playing time to begin with are going to have that playing time not only next year but over the next couple of weeks in these bowl practices. Yeah, I mean, the the guys that that everybody's going to see are going to get seen now by default. Um, I mean, if you just look at look at it on paper, you know, it looks like Tennessee lost a lot, but you know, didn't lose a lot in terms of guys who, you know, were were, were huge factors. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's suddenly become, I think, one of the more interesting wrinkles of bowl practice. I mean, Jordan Matthews is a guy that. Every every Tennessee fan was excited about back when August started and kind of never saw Ricky Gibson. I think we we did see enough to to want to see more. And, and now you would think just by you know sheer numbers, he, he he's going to get a chance in the bowl game, and it's going to give. I would imagine going to be a very good month for those guys, and also going to be a very good month for the staff to to you know for evaluation purposes. Yeah, I think that cornerback spot AP is fascinating for the bowl game because what's Gabe Judy Lally going to do? He, I think he will play. He's been battling a shoulder. Do you think he'll go ahead and play? I do think he'll play. Yes. Okay. So, so then that would put him and Ricky Gibson as your two corners, and then your then your your rotational guys would be, I guess, Conyer and Jordan Matthews, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I, at, at this point, the, the question is, you know, if if for some reason Gabe doesn't go, then you're probably looking at starting a guy at corner who's played less than ten snaps this year at the cornerback position in the bowl game. Luckily, I was not very good on offense. So, yeah, you might get a bust or two because, I mean, I'm a veteran. But, I mean, like, athletically, Tennessee should still be in really good shape. Honestly, probably be more uh, more athletic at the corner spot than they've been all year. Um, again, that doesn't mean success because, you know, you, you still have to mentally know where to go and, and what to read. But, uh, you know, I do think that that wouldn't, be a, that wouldn't be a bad thing, man. I think that some of these kids need to be forced out there and, you know, kind of sink or swim. Throw them in the deep end and make them swim, Hub. It's like you, you, you can't keep putting the, the swimmers on, the puddle jumpers. Like, you know, Mildred Queen, who taught my kids how to swim, and you guys have seen the videos, there is no, there is no puddle jumpers, okay? All that does is make you stand up straight, and then you don't, you don't put your head down in the water when you swim. Push them in the pool and let them go. That's that's how we learn in quarantine. Just throw them in the deep end. If they yeah, come, you did it in the lake, Cubs, you threw them in the lake where they got actually drowned. Like you know, I mean, like no, come on now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it it is. I mean, it, it is going to be fascinating to see. And I think that's Rob. What bowl games are becoming about it is it is an exhibition game for young players um, in a lot of ways. And everybody focuses on the quarterback position, but it's not just there. It's going to be at, at other places because of the defections you have around the country in the transfer portal uh, with, with these guys, it's going to force some young guys onto the field and uh, we'll make for some, you know, some certainly uh, auditions for sure. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see what that looks like and, and go from there. You know, I gotta say, I don't hate it. You know, it's, it, it adds a little bit of entry to, you know, I, I don't want to you know, denigrate the bowl games, but you know, if you're, you know, playing in one of these lower tier bowls that, it's not doesn't you're not going to make or break your season. It does, you know, it adds a little, you know, pop to 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 what you're looking for. It adds a little interest. I mean, I, I'm certainly interested to see it, Hubbard. I, I think you're right. I, mean, I think it is fascinating. You go from you're, you're looking at maybe starting a kid that you know didn't get on the field against Austin P. You know, and, and now he and, and AP to your point, it's what a great 
what a great low pressure offense to get your feet wet against, you know, in college for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Well, it, but but I think if you're a coach, and, and when you look at a big picture, Eric, I mean, I think if you're a coach out there and they're a program deal, it, it's a it is a good thing overall. Now, again, you don't want to just tell your seniors, "Hey, goodbye, you're you're done. We're not interested in you." But how many more eyeballs will be on this game if Joe Milton doesn't play? Oh yeah. You know, how, how much more intrigue is there from people around the country and Tennessee fans if you know that Nico is going to play a bunch of snaps in this game? A lot more. Now, now that's the extreme because it's a quarterback position. But for a diehard fan, they want to see what Ricky Gibson can do in a whole in an entire game or see what Jordan Matthews looks like out there um, or, or see what Cam Seldon looks like at the running back position. I mean, why not? I mean, to, to, to me, that's – that's how you keep the intrigue of a bowl game um, out there for, for your fan base when you're not in the playoff or you're not playing in a, in a rivalry game or a marquee matchup game. No offense to Iowa. But, I mean, I think Iowa fans are the same way. They want to see some of their young guys if, if they've got young guys out there to play. Well, yeah, I mean, you wish, you wish these guys that are going to the transfer portal all the best of luck. But, I mean, Deshaun Rucker is not going to help you out next year. Brandon Turner is not going to help you out next year. Um you got some of these guys are just kind of kind of slowing down the progress of some of these other young guys that could have been seeing some snaps as the years you know gone along potentially, and now you're going to get those. And um, I do think for the diehards, it'll be a lot more intriguing. And and you're right. I mean, it was it was an extreme, but I mean, Joe Milton, you know, depending on what he wants to do, if if Nico were to play in this football game, not just Tennessee fans, but college football fans would be tuning in. So, and it's a good thing. Like you want to win this game, you want to win this game for sure, but. I mean, as Rob just pointed out, I mean, this game has no bearing on what you did over the season or what's to come in 2024. It's just not. I don't want to call it just an exhibition game because I think it does mean something. But um, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean a whole lot, if that makes sense. So that kind of brings me into this next transition, hold on, Brent. Hold on. Here, hold on a minute. I got my point to make here, Tanner. All right. Oh, sorry. I haven't heard you talking in a couple of minutes. Gabe Judy Lally, I think he will play. But let's say he doesn't play. Ricky Gibson, no starts. Let's say it's Conyers, no starts. Jordan Thomas at the star. Uh, what's he got? One start, two starts. Uh, turn time, a couple starts. But the average starts for the secondary, baby, is still 77 due to Jalen McCullough. All right, now continue on. Really good point. I'm glad we got that one in there. Uh, Brent, as the week goes on, would expect that these seniors who want to announce hey, I'm going to come back and play another year. I'm going to play in the bowl game, all that type of stuff. will start trickling in because, again, I mean, you're you're in bowl practices now for Iowa, and this coaching staff needs to know who's going to be playing and who's not going to be playing. Yeah, and I think it's going to be more about, you know, who's who's opting out. Um, I think we got a good idea of who's coming back. Now, there may be some of those going to run it back one more year or one last ride or, you know, I mean, I'm sure that there's some people at Tennessee want some of those guys to post those things because it gives you a little buzz back there. But the story is more about who is going to opt out and not play in this game. And, and obviously that focal point has been around Joe Milton. Joe Milton continues to work out with this team. To me, the indication there would seem that, that he is going to play in this game, but we don't know that for sure. Um, Jalen Wright, we don't expect to play in this game. I'm not sure where the benefit is, of it is for him. I wondered about Gabe Judy Lally, but Austin, you 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 feel pretty confident that he's going to play in this game, and and then the, you know it's Jabari it's Small's not going to play in this game. Yeah, Small's not going to play. Samson and Cam Seldon, Yeah, and then and then you've got a couple guys who are dealing with some injuries that are probably not going to play. 
that maybe have decisions to make, um, but but they're not going to play due to injury. So, um, you know, I think you'll have a, a firm, a, a really good finalized feel of that by Friday because once you get to Friday, it does become all about Iowa for the course of the next couple of weeks. And I think if a coaching staff, I mean, anybody who's on the fence, you know, you're going from working out on fundamentals to starting a game plan and you got to know who you're going to game plan for. So I think we'll know we'll have a full gauge of who's not going to play in this deal by Friday. I think we got a pretty good idea on who's coming back out of those COVID seniors. I mean, um, you know, I mean, Tamarian McDonald is a guy that we'll wait and see what happens. It will not shock me at all if he is not back uh, with this team. Uh, but outside of that, AP, I mean, you kind of feel like everything seems to be pretty settled, right? In terms of those COVID seniors? If you're a GQ member, they are. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it certainly feels that way. The only one I would tell you that you have to just, just because, I mean, just, I mean, I think he's going to be back, but you just don't know is Gerald Mincy. Like, you, I mean, like, it just – that one's one that, you know, until until it rubber meets the road, like I don't think you can say for certain. Again, I think he will be back. And the question is, is if he's back, what's his availability for the bowl game, right? Like he's had that kind of chronic knee all year long. Like I think John Campbell will be good for the bowl game. Ollie Lane, obviously, Cooper Mays will be good for the bowl game. And then it'll be Jackson Lampley, a right guard, uh, who's a right tackle for the bowl game. Will it be Dane Davis, who has been very, very uh, functional? Um, and, and played solid football here the back end of the year, or will it be uh, Gerald Mincy making his return from injury? We'll continue to track it all at VolQuest.com, transfer portal, COVID seniors, Iowa bowl prep, uh, traditional recruiting, all that and more by the minute over at VolQuest.com. Oh, we're going to talk Tennessee hoops, a big win over Illinois this past weekend. What's this mean moving forward? That coming up here on the VolQuest podcast. Do you want to tell you about our friends, over at Game Time, you shouldn't have to worry about when you're buying your next tickets to the next big event. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, but not just sports. It's music, it's theater, it's comedy, all those shows in your area, like Thompson Bowling Arena at the Food City Center. You have tons of shows, tons of concerts, obviously basketball, Lindsey Nelson Stadium this uh, this upcoming spring for baseball, Neyland Stadium next year for football. You can get on and buy your holiday tickets as well, Christmas right around the corner, Buy tickets, bypasses, all that type of stuff over at Game Time. Game Time's got the lowest price guaranteed, event cancellation protection, even job loss protection as well, so they have your back. And what the lowest price guarantee is, if you buy a ticket with Game Time and you find a ticket cheaper in the same section, they're going to credit you 110% of that price. Not a lot of places are out there that'll do that for you, but Game Time will. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code VOLS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code VOLS, V-O-L-S, for $20 off your purchase today. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So a big shout-out to Game Time, as always. And I want to remind you guys about Factor. A lot of you guys have been asking about Factor on the message board over the last week. So here's another reminder about Factor for you today. It's holiday season. You might be looking for something nutritious, but something convenient uh, to keep you energized on those jam-packed days. Factor is America's number one Ready eat meal service, and you can be, you can fuel up for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner with chef prepared, dietitian approved ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door. You're going to save time. You're going to eat well. You're going to stay on track with a healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to dos and your normal job schedule. Your nine to fives. Skip the stress of meal preparing. Meal preparing with the holidays with Factor. Choose from thirty five plus weekly flavor packed, fresh, never frozen meals. 
uh, that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal performance, all delivered right to your door in less than two minutes. Again, guys, they delivered some to me, put them in the fridge for a week. I had lunch ready to go. Take it out of the package, put it in there two minutes. Again, it's not frozen. Take it out, eat it, throw it away. It was so simple, so good as well. And again, it's good for you. Um, it's good for you and um, something that you can take part in throughout your busy, busy days. So how do you take part of this? All right, go to factormeals.com slash VQ50. That's factormeals.com slash VQ50. That promo code again, it is VQ50 for 50% off. Promo code VQ50 at factormeals.com slash VQ50. That is Factor Meals. So big thanks to Game Time. A big thanks to Factor. And as always, a big time shout out and thank you to our friends, Exterior Home Solutions. It's one of those phone calls that you hate to get from your kids. Hey, Dad, a tree fell on my house. Well, we got that call a couple of weeks back from our daughter at her house here. And the first call that I made was to Exterior Home Solutions. The peace of mind that they gave me and us as a family when they came out here, came up with a plan, got us connected with the right people is absolutely priceless. Use the same people that I use in that time of need, Exterior Home Solutions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Exterior Home Solutions, big thank you to them as always. ExteriorHomeSolutions.com, a free estimate today. Give them a look if you have the need. All right, that phone number is well on the screen, 865-524-5888. Again, that's ExteriorHomeSolutions.com. We welcome back in the crew, Rob Lewis, Austin Price, Brent Hubs. Tennessee basketball got a much-needed win, Rob Lewis, over the weekend. Um, you know, Power their way to an 86-79 win over Illinois. Santiago Vescovi showed out. Jonas Adu continues his good play of late. And, of course, Dalton Connect is doing what Dalton Connect does. Yeah, I thought a really good win. I mean, I, I, you know, we'll see how it turns out as the season goes on. <clears throat> Excuse me, as the season goes on. But I think that's a good Illinois basketball team that will, will be a factor in, in the Big Ten. And for Tennessee, you know, I, you can talk about playing a great schedule and, and, you know, what that does for you in November. But, you know, you, still, you, you need to win some games. And, you know, I thought that was really you know, good for the, for the team just to get in the win column against a um, you know, quality opponent like that. And I, and I thought they were really good in, in the second half um, on, on both ends of the floor. I and mean, I thought that was their, by far their most impressive 20 minutes of the season. Rob, for me, I mean, bit greater importance. Vescovy finding, finding the stroke. Um, Josiah Jordan-James having three consecutive games with some consistency here. Um, are the, the – back-to-back double-digit games, now three straight double-digit games from Jonas Adu. What's the biggest development for this basketball team? Well, I think it's Jonas Adu for, for sure. I mean, with, with Santi, I mean, I, that one just doesn't trouble me very much. I mean, you're talking about a fifth-year guy that's been an all-conference player. I mean, he he may have to have a different role on this team, and, and he may, may still be figuring that out. But I, he's just been too good for too long. He'll figure it out. What, what Jonas is doing is just something – you know, he's never done before. We've seen Santi play well. We've seen Josiah play well. We've never seen Jonas be this assertive, you know, offensively. And, and I applaud Coach Barnes because you know, he's gone out of his way to really, you know, give him give him confidence and, and, and talk about, 
you know, how much potential he sees there for Jonas and, you know, how, how Jonas, you know, sells himself short. So, I mean, I think what you're seeing on the court from Jonas is, is an extension of what he's hearing from Coach Barnes on the, on the practice floor and in, in the film room um, about, you know, what his head coach feels his talent is. I mean, we're 23 shot attempts for Jonas in, in two games. That, that, that's, that's big time. I mean, that, that, that's a lot of evidence uh, in the, that he's really, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid that, that, it, that his coach is, is pouring for him because that's 23 shots in two games for that kid is, is out of character. Rob, do you like the um, the post from a standpoint of I, I love that that you know Adu tall, long, uh, you know obviously alters a lot of shots at the rim, and then when they when they go to Tobey, he's kind of a different body type, right? He's more of a banger, more thick. I mean, I, I like that. There's there's kind of they're kind of diverse. Do you like that? Oh yeah, I mean I think they really complement each other well, and I mean and you're not going to see it a lot this this year but in the second half you know they played them together for for longer stretches um than they had and again they they are so different that yeah it's uh they they, they do complement each other well and and Jonas just you know and Tobey too to a different extent uh but Jonas just brings something that nobody else on the team comes close to bringing with his length um you know on the defensive end and you know we're seeing more and more he's finding ways to to make you know make use of that on the offensive end. So Hubbard, that's a long-winded question. Answer to the question. I, I think the I think what you're seeing from Jonas is is huge for, for this thing. I mean, just enormous because it's been a you know Fulkerson had his moments, but but not since Grant you know four or five years ago have they just been able to dump it inside and, and feel good about you know either you know getting a bucket or getting a foul or or at least moving the defense enough to where you created an advantage somewhere else. And again, you know, three games, but, you know, three games or at least two games against really good competition um, in Illinois and, and UNC where, where Jonas, I think, has, has shown that maybe he's turning a corner. Is, is that – you think it's just because Barnes has empowered him publicly or do you think the locker room has said, hey, we got to have you? Do you think some people around Jonas – I mean, you, you mentioned it's not just the scoring, it's the assertiveness on offense that we haven't seen. Now, I understand – he stayed out of foul trouble against Illinois, which is a big deal. He's got to do that in order to get the shots and to do the things offensively. But what do you equate the aggressiveness to out of Jonas? Do you think it's really just the, the empowerment of Rick Barnes? Oh yeah, but not not. I would say publicly has has very little to do with it. I'm I would say sitting next to him on an airplane for ten hours on the way home from Hawaii and having coach say, "Hey, what's what Zach? You know, you can do what Zach Eady's doing, or hey, Jonas, you can do what Hunter Dickinson's doing." What's you know, watch what you did on this play right here. You know, same, you know, in, in the film room on the practice floor. I just think, you know, people see see coach and, you know, and he can get on kids. You know, he does. I mean, and he's not, he doesn't hide from it and, and, and think that he can be tough on guys. They don't, they don't see the other side, man. He can be, he, he can be 100 miles, you know, in, in the opposite direction on the practice floor, in, you know, in, in film room. And, and I think that's where, and, and I think that's really, you know, resonated with Jonas. And I think that's what you're seeing now. If coach was telling him all that and he hadn't just gone out, you know, it had, it had a career high and followed that up, you know, with, with another double digit game and that, you know, it'd be falling. It, it wouldn't be the same, but you know, he's seeing the results. And, you know, I think you look at the schedule in December and he's going to have a lot of chance to build that confidence before SEC play. Rob, we, we mentioned his name um, a little earlier, but I mean, it's, <laughs> No, no, no doubt about it, man. I mean, Rick Barnes has been publicly, you know, pretty much calling out Santiago Vescovi, challenging him. 
the last couple of weeks. It's not been, it feels like it's not been kumbaya between the two. And Dalton connects the guy on this team is what it is. But how important is it to get Santi to, to, to be as involved as he was the other day and being a huge focal point for this team? Doesn't have to be the guy, but he's got to be a guy and a very important guy. To me, it looked like he responded the right way. And I mean, for Sakai, he looked like the, the old Sakai the other day for stretches, uh, points of times, both offensively and defensively. I mean, t- Tennessee is going to win a ton of games if, if Santi you know, plays like he did in November. Maybe yeah. even win the SEC, but they're not going to, you know, they're probably not going to play in the second weekend in March, and they're definitely not, you know, reaching the promised land and going to a Final Four unless Santi is the old Santi. I, you know, I thought you had to be encouraged by what you saw on Saturday, and it wasn't just the, you know, 12 points or the fact that, you know, he, he was you know, was four seven from the floor. It was the kind of plays he made. I mean, it was a really physical basketball game. Six foot three, Santi was, you know, grabbed nine rebounds. He was a leading rebounder in the game. He had a big three, a tough three, you know, coming off a screen in, in the quarter in the in the final ten minutes that that kind of changed the um, complexion of the game. I think made it made it an eight or nine point game. You know, wouldn't hadn't put it away, but really gave Tennessee some cushion. You know, made a couple of free throws late. I just I felt like it was his best of the season by far. And again, not just because of the box score, but when the plays were made and, and the type type of plays they were you know, at at the stages of the game they came. Rob, speaking of Santi and, and Ziegler, were you shocked that Tennessee struggled to get the ball uh, up the floor against that press? Yes. I, I mean, would, I was stunned. I was stunned. I was like, they can't get the ball up the floor. I would. I mean, I was almost – you, you know, at the end of games, and Eric, I know you're the same way with baseball. I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying like like crazy to get you know four quick takes done, and you know, getting ready to post. And I kept looking up. I was like, man, they just did they just turn it over again? Did they just turn it over again? This is you know, it never felt like they were in danger of losing, but they did look sloppy. And as you say, AP, having you know, twelve years of starting experience in the backcourt <laughs> on the floor at the same time. Um, Made that a little surprising, but it also makes me think it's not, you know, going to be a long-term, you know, problem. And you know, it's it's going to be tough to make a living pressing, you know, Santi and, and Zakai on, on this team. Rob, you mentioned the schedule in December and what lies ahead. Opportunities for Jonas to put up some numbers and other guys to put up numbers. Rick Barnes' bench was short against Illinois. <laughs> um, what what do you think is the big picture staff plan? for bench growth development, obviously winning the games. I know that, but when you look at the schedule, they're going to be heavy favorites in a lot of these games here, the next couple of weeks. What do you think is their plan? What, what, what is the strategy for some of those young guys in terms of development and how deep does this bench need to go for Rick Barnes to make it through the grind of the SEC to get to March? Um, I think your priority is is just figuring out which one of the of the freshman bigs can help you. I mean, you're going to have to have one of them at some point in time. If not, you know, ideally, you'd feel good about playing both of them if you had to. But really, I th- you got to figure out if, if JP or Cade can can play, you know, six to eight minutes a night r- routinely, um, and and what the pecking order is. I mean, it's it, it's a good problem to have if that's one of your big problems here in, in December. But I I, I do think. You know, figuring out who your third post guy is on nights when you know we we've, we've seen to- Toby's going to be in foul trouble, Jonas is going to be in foul trouble some nights. You're going to need one of the youngsters to give you some minutes. They don't have to be a star, but they've got to like JP came in in the first half in Hawaii against Purdue and really gave Tennessee some some tough minutes. And you know, 
I think that it, with any young kid, it's consistency. I mean, he he can do it. Cade can do it. But just, you know, as you saw on Saturday, coach is not going to let him coast. I mean, he was just pretty point blank. He's like, I could have told you Friday they weren't going to play. You know, just for the way practice had been going. So I think, you know, figuring out which one of those two kids, if, you know, it, you know, both ideally, but figuring out which one of the young posts is, is going to be kind of your, your third guy on nights when you need him. And, and then really on the perimeter, I don't know that they need anything. I mean, if you, if, if Freddie is, Freddie Dillon is a guy that can play 18 minutes a game in, or eight to 10 minutes a game and, you know, get beat an offensive spark off the bench, you know, that that's a boost. Cam Carr, I mean, every time Coach Barn talks about him, he talks about, you know, his potential, how hard he works, all that. But I just, you know, I, I don't know that I, I see a role for him. So, you know, to me, it, it's it's the Estrella and Phillips. And then, you know, maybe Freddie to a lesser extent, but, man, that, that's a luxury. I mean, we, and I, that says a lot about Tennessee's perimeter depth. If you're talking about, you know, the highest rate recruit in your signing class, you know, it being not that big of a deal if he gets if he gets on the floor this year. Last one for me, Rob. I, I do want to ask as you enter the kind of the stretch Brent was talking about, Georgia Southern tonight, got NC State this weekend. Uh, then you got a couple other games before you get into SEC play at the turn of the uh, turn of the year with Ole Miss. Um, it's a work in progress, certainly not a finished product, and everything's still being shaken out. But from what you've seen from Tennessee so far, uh, do you have any anything change on your end in terms of how good you think Tennessee can be in this conference? I um, in this region, and ultimately, you know, what you think Tennessee could accomplish down the line uh, when you head towards March? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to not talk crazy, but they, I mean, they could be better than I thought they could be. And, may, okay. you know, maybe I didn't, and I, I probably wasn't as high on them as some people early in the season. I mean, I would, you know, a lot of the Hawaii, you know, comments we heard in Hawaii were Final Four, Final Four. And even though Tennessee lost, you know, their, their three biggest games in, in, in November, I, I think that they could be better in March, and, for, and it, it's and the biggest reason is Dalton is, is better than I even thought he was going to be. He just he just is. I mean, you, you in AP, it's the same way in football. You, you never know what to make all the buzz you hear this summer. You just you just don't know. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, Jalen Wright got the buzz. He turned out to be what he was. Dante Thornton got I mean, the buzz. Turned out, you know, not. Yeah, I mean, it happens. I mean, it happens. You know, we've we've all heard it. Uh, you know, a thousand times. You know, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But connect is just is this better, way better than I, than I thought he was. And, and, the, and he's the reason I think Tennessee can, can go further in March. Now, you know, there's a lot of other ifs. Santi's got to be what we saw Saturday. Jonas has got to be what we've seen past couple of weeks. Josiah has got to be, you know, the wingman we've seen, but man, um, I, I know you love basketball. To me, Dalton is the first guy Tennessee's had since Grant Williams walked out of here that they can really run offense through. They don't have to run, you know, just, their stuff. I mean, they can call a play for a guy and feel pretty good that he's going to get to the line or at the very least going to get a really good shot. Yeah. And, and no offense, Grant. I mean, I think it's different because oh, yeah. Dalton can take it. And I know he over dribbles sometimes and that gets him into some turnover issues, but he can literally take it from anywhere on the floor and has a chance to get to the rim. Grant had to have a little help to get it start to get started. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, right? I mean, if it was the three-point shot, it was a trailing three in the secondary break. But there wasn't a ton of straight-line drive to the rim with, with Grant Williams from the top of the key. Connect can can do anything. You're right. Grant's the guy that they would say, hey, everything's going through Grant here offensively. He's going to create for us to, to a degree. But Dalton creates differently than, than Grant does. I, 
I don't think Rick Barnes had a guy like this since he was at Texas. Um, he's not had anybody at Tennessee where you just say, hey, we're going to clear out one side of the floor and let him go to work because he can back a guy down. He can pull up on him uh, or whatever. He's just he's different than anybody he's had recently at Tennessee. And you saw that, I thought, last thing for me on that, you saw that emphatically in the opening of the second half against Illinois. I mean, I mean Tennessee was – I mean, wasn't like they, Tennessee had been bad. They were down two. But they fed Dalton for the first you – know, I, I don't know how – first six or seven minutes of the second half. He scores 13 points in the first six minutes and 17 seconds. Hits a three, gets to the rim, and you know, gets fouled. Three-point play, draws another you know foul on the low block hits both foul shots. I mean, he just – he's a dude, man. Like I said, I, I thought he would be good. He's, he is better than I thought. And we'll continue to track Don't Connect, the rest of the Tennessee basketball team again. Uh, game tonight at the Food City Center, Thompson Bowling Arena at the Food City Center, Georgia Southern. That'll be at 7 o'clock, NC State this weekend. And then a couple more games before you flip the calendar into SEC play at the turn of the new year. Um, also, everything you need to know, the latest in roster management for Tennessee football, transfer portal defectors, um, names to be looking for in the transfer portal who could be a part of Tennessee's roster in 2024, COVID seniors, and bowl preparation, the Citrus Bowl for Iowa. All that and more is at VolQuest.com. For Austin Price, Rob Lewis, Brent Hubs, I'm Eric Kane. A big thank you to our friends, Exterior Home Solutions, for making this coverage possible. 865-524-5888 or visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to the VolQuest Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest Podcast every week here on VolQuest.